I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank you, Carolyn, for choosing love. That's what this is all about. That's what this program's about. That's why we have a focus on transforming our hearts this year. I sent you a survey this week, and I read that over half of you so far think that this work that we're doing is extremely important to the mission of our church and to your own personal interests. In fact, the majority of you here see this work we are doing together in our online Transforming Hearts coursework as personally important. Remember, you can sign up for that at bradfordeu forward slash transgender. Over half of you have family or framily, as I like to call them, friends who are family, who identify as trans or gender non-binary. A small handful of you don't think this work is important. I appreciate everyone's honesty. You can still take that survey. The link is in the quilt. This week I had a few calls that reminded me of why we're doing this work together. For those linear thinkers, it might help. On Monday I got a call from a gentleman who had attended a training I did years ago for welcoming LGBTQ families and couples into small towns and rural areas as well as building relationships with all the intersecting diversity that they bring in race and gender identity. This gentleman lives in a village of less than a thousand people, hours away from any larger city. He and his wife immigrated here over a dozen years ago. And while he has a very strong grasp of American culture, he spent most of his life living under brutal communistic leaders. The man had seen the post I had done about this transgender ministry we are working on here at Bradford. And his first words to me were, Denise, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to turn to. You are the only person I could think of that would know about this, but my 10-year-old son thinks he is a girl. He wants to wear dresses and play with dolls. This gentleman was very upset and relayed that his child thinks he will never have a good life. He's worried one will never love him, he said to me. Will my son forever be unhappy? His voice cracked, barely choking out the words. I listened. I listened more. I asked questions. My heart started to skip when he said that he'd been reading about conversion therapy and wondered if a doctor could fix his son. Should he take him to a special doctor or find a pediatrician, he asked me. In fact, they live hours from any pediatrician at all, let alone one that would tra be trained in gender dysmorphia. Could a doctor fix his child, he asked me. Over 20% of you took our congregational survey, letting us know that gender issues impacting children and families was a top concern. That's why I designed this service. Last time I was talking about this topic, I used quotes from Reverend Christy Lunsford saying, transition is not from A to B. It doesn't have that logical flow Carolyn was talking about. And it has nothing to do with sexual identity or sexual attraction. We heard that unconditional love saves lives. 
We heard a story last time about my friend Mark who cannot attach to anyone as he was rejected by his mother for being transgender. In fact, there's no reliable evidence that sexual orientation can be changed, and medical bodies warn that conversion therapy practices are ineffective and harmful. Researchers analyzed a survey of over 27,000 transgender adults across the United States and U.S. territories and military bases. And people who said they had undergone conversion therapy at any point during their lifetime were twice as likely to attempt suicide than those who never underwent such therapies. And those who were subjected to conversion efforts during their childhood were four times, four times as likely to have tried to take their own lives. And researchers say that about 1.4 million adults, I know I'm using a lot of numbers, identify as transgender. So 700,000 at least have been exposed to conversion therapy at least 350,000 of them as children, according to the Williams Institute. You may have heard recently about various municipalities banning conversion therapy, and you might think, no one really does conversion therapy. I can tell you this person who called me lives right here in Wisconsin. He is smart. He is educated. He is successful. His wife is a teacher. I know many of you in this room have had therapy or even are social workers, counselors, or in psychological fields. Maybe it's hard to imagine a licensed therapist doing this. Sadly, many people who practice conversion therapy do so under religious umbrellas. And that's one of the reasons we're talking about it here at Bradford and not at a community center. <coughs> We need to provide an opportunity to encourage people to choose love. While conversion therapy is most commonly consists of psychotherapy, I'm going to say that in quotes, for mental health professionals or religious counselors, it's an attempt to change someone's sexual orientation or gender identity. It can also involve aversion treatments, treatments such as inflicting physical pain to deter certain thoughts or behaviors. Those bans you hear about, the ones various municipalities have adopted, they can't cover churches. This year, Denver's Catholic Archbishop, this year, all of Colorado put a conversion therapy ban in place. But the Catholic Archbishop started a program to make sure it fell outside the bounds of the new Colorado law skirting the ban. Don't you dare think that means it doesn't happen here. It's just an example. We are on a journey. We, this group of people, are on a journey transforming our hearts and our culture. And we're doing sacred work here because that's a missional priority we have from our Board of Trustees and from our denomination as a larger whole. And it is stories like the ones I've just told you and the ones we saw and heard today that motivated us to become a resource, and that's why we're speaking about it here. 
While major medical and social work organizations have condemned conversion therapy, it's not banned by all churches, although our Unitarian Universalist faith does condemn conversion therapy. They embrace us doing this hard work, and in fact, many congregations, we went from being like one in four at the beginning when I told you we were gonna adopt this, and now there's dozens of UU churches doing the same program we are. So it's exciting that it's building. Many of you here identify as lesbian or gay or bisexual or queer or gender non-binary or transgender. But things right here in Kenosha for you, for us, are not that great. Four days ago, the Human Rights Campaign released its annual municipal index. It's an equality index, and it ranks cities, larger cities, nationwide. According to the results, Kenosha not only ranked last amongst the Wisconsin cities that were surveyed, but it appears to be getting worse. Based on a score, we got 39 points out of 100, a five-point decrease from last year. The city of Kenosha does not provide transgender-inclusive health care benefits to its employees. We do not offer a city contractor non-discrimination ordinance saying that all that work for our city have to be positive about sexual orientation or gender identity. There are no specific municipal services for the LGBT community, municipal services, nor human rights commission. We lack a non-discrimination enforcement of any of our laws or departments within our government. We don't have an official LGBTQ liaison within the city administration, nor an LGBTQ positive police liaison task force. There's no LGBTQ liaison for our senior services, and we know it's hard for our kids to get help in schools. We have done such a poor job of this as a city that the school district has been sued around issues of gender identity and sexual orientation bullying issues. Because of that, I'd like you to think about what questions you have. I don't care if it's what you think is the most elementary question, about gender identity or transgender issues or issues as a larger whole in our community. I'm gonna ask the ushers to pass out some three by five cards. Eric will help. Even if you don't have a question, I'd like you to turn in a card because that's how much I want you to get your questions out. If you don't have a question, just think about if you have a wish. And as we go through today's education session after the service, as well as ones we do in the coming year or in our social media or our newsletters, we're going to aim to answer all your questions. So I'm going to give you a minute to write things down and grab a pen. So think about that as I go through this. 
I've been curious how people are reaching out to us and starting this program. In fact, I got another call this week about a transgender person who's a parent right here in Kenosha. They have five children. Their youngest child is just a few months old. The oldest is 13. The story was long and very sad, but the end result is this, this parent was picked up by ICE and is in the Kenosha Detention Center right now. If they are deported, they will almost surely be killed upon returning to their home country in Latin America. So these issues are not remote. I've had some people say, I don't know why we're studying this. Why are we doing this? They're not about someone else. They're about us, our town, our schools, our children. And like Carolyn said, even if you don't understand the path, could you choose love? How does love respond? What are we doing about this and how are we helping? As my conversation continued with the gentleman whose child thinks they're transgender, the conversation did lead to him saying that he really loves his child and wants to help them be happy. He said he more considered the conversion therapy because what's out there on the internet is so conflicting and confusing. He didn't know what was right. And more than anything, he didn't know where to turn. Denise, help me with my child, he cried. I gave him access to our Transforming Hearts program. I invited him here to church. I sent him a page of support groups and names of programs. I made introductions. I sent books and videos and phone numbers and our friends at Forge who've been helping us. I sent him names and transgender support groups for families with non-binary children. But I thought all week to myself, what would he have done if he didn't know where to turn? Would he request help? What about the transgender parent who's detained by ICE? What if they hadn't heard about this program that we're doing? Can we make a difference? Can we? Can you stay for an hour maybe today and learn a little more about how to make things better or even what to do about our church? Can you sign up for those online lessons or read the transcripts? Could we contact the mayor or the police chief again? Find out about the Commission on Aging. Should you run for school board? Should you show up at the school board meetings? Do we need to pass an ordinance? I think we need to do something. And I think we will. I think there's people for us to support and partner with. We're doing this program because I'm relying on you. I'm only here through May. I'm relying on you to lead Kenosha in this effort. And believe me, I think you can. Do you think you can? Yes, you do. Mm, I like that. We are after.
acting out our faith. Over a hundred years ago, Reverend Dr. Florence Buck stood in this pulpit and she asked us to put religion into action as the only form of putting our faith into democracy. She asked us to choose love. And even if you don't know what to do, I ask, could you choose love each time? Because how does love respond? How does love respond? I ask you, please, choose love. 